my uh, laptop is like going through that phase where it's like about four years old and is just spontaneously turning off. And Apple is like, I think you need a new one. Time to get a new just one. Just buy one. Go, just buy another one. It's too expensive to fix. Just buy a new one. <laughs> You do for an update. Yeah. Look, you're, we're not even working that well anymore. <laughs> Just get a new one. Just replace me. Um, okay, so we are officially at 15 months. Um, and yeah, I was just going to talk about this, Kristen. We're at 15 months and we've just moved in together. And I've never lived with a partner. Greg has. And it went really well. So. <laughs> <laughs> so of course. Um, we hadn't talked about living together. Well, actually, no, that's a lie. We had talked about living together, but only in the form of let's wait. Like, let's not rush. It will happen at some point. So mm -hmm. let's just continue to enjoy living in our own houses and having our own space and having, having this sense of desire to spend time together rather than being together all the time, trying to get, a, get away and get, get our own space. Like, I think that was something that was always really important to me to be like, while I am living alone, I want to make the most of it. Hmm. Yeah, and we'd, we'd talked about all those different things and reasons why we would keep our own space. And I think something a lot of people do is you end up moving in together because of financial reasons, because of some of those things where it's like you're spending a lot of time at your partner's house. And because of that, then you end up going, well, it'd just be better if like, we're only paying one rent. So people end up, I think, a lot of the time moving in because of money, not actually consciously going, hey, why do we want to move in? Or why do we want our own space? So I think you know, we're obviously in a good position where we could keep our own houses, decide when we want to come together. And that was, that was really nice at the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's either... It makes sense financially for people to move in together, but I think it is a little bit of like convenience factor, not just financially, just like, well, we're together all the time and I really mm. want to spend my time with you. But I think what happens is the reason that you want to spend all your time with your partner is that you are by default apart. Mm. So when the default is that you're together all the time because you're living under the same roof, you immediately lose that desire to be together all the time mm. because you are always together all the time. It's the same as what I said to you about um, like the monogamy, non-monogamy thing. It's like there's so many times that we've both said and I feel like I could just be monogamous with you. Mm. Um, and in, I think I said pretty early on, like it, it feels quite nice to be bumping up against that constantly. And mm. I think I, I made a, some kind of bowling analogy at the time where it's like kind of hitting this bumper of like, oh, I could be monogamous with you and feeling that feeling of, of being drawn towards that with you. Um, and it's the same with living together, I think, in a way where it's like, um, yeah, like you say, wanting to be together and going, like, there's so many nights when we were at each other's, uh, at our own houses, where we'd go, oh, like, I really want to just come over to your house. And it's like, but I'm seeing you tomorrow night. So that, like, that feeling of being apart makes you want to come together. Yeah. And I think the other reason that people move in together is the relationship escalator. You know, like, we've talked about that. It's like, people start casually seeing each other then they make it official or make a like make a commitment to one another to be serious sometimes that's one person dragging the other person along because they want to make it official and then you potentially move in together that's the next step and then from there you I guess I guess we get engaged 
And you then get a house plant first and then a dog. You get a what? A house plant and a dog. You, okay. miss, you miss some and steps. You miss some big steps. You get animals, whether they're in soil or not, with either animals that have roots or legs. Then you get engaged. Then you get married. Then you buy a house. When do you buy a house? Somewhere in there. Buy a house together. Then you have kids. And then you retire together. And then you just die together. And that's just the steps that everybody takes, that everybody thinks is the way it goes. There's a great bit on Crystalia's Netflix special, his old one called Man on Fire, where he says, love is, I guess. And he's talking about his first marriage. And it's it's hilarious because it's so accurate. And I've, I've watched the stand-up probably seven or eight times. I used to put it on on the way home from the airport after a seminar because it's just so fucking on point. And he goes, yeah, you know, like... You, you're dating someone and they ask if you want to be serious and you're like, I guess. Like, I spend all my time with you, I guess. And then you move in together because, like, I, I guess. And then you get married because I, I, I guess so. Like, I, I love you, I guess. So I guess we'll just do this. Like, I guess that's what you're meant to do. And, like, do we have kids? I guess. And do we just keep try and keep them alive? I guess. Like, <laughs> and it's just this whole thing where it's like, he just has this whole story of essentially the relationship escalator where it's like, you just do these steps because I guess it's what you're meant to do when you're in a relationship with someone or you have a significant relationship in your life. Um, and yeah, I think that's definitely a big, a big reason that people end up moving in together. Like it's just like, well, it's the logical next step to show that you're committed to one another and show that you're serious and show that you, you know, are committed. I said, just said committed, but like you're, you're in it and you're invested and it's like, that's how you, yeah, how you make sure it's serious. Like, I think the conversation I've had with my mum on multiple occasions is she's like, well, when are you guys going to get serious? Because my mum knows that we're open. <laughs> that conversation does not go down well. And she's like, well, when are you guys going to get serious? Like, when are you going to stop being silly and fooling around? And I'm like, well, I mean, we, we are serious. But, um, yeah, I think, like, to her, we aren't serious until we show that we've become official or we're, in, we're not monogamous and we're not dating other people it's like it doesn't count if you're not if you're doing that stuff to her does living together now count that we're being serious i don't know i don't know if you're accepted by <laughs> mother gordon we'll see when you meet her he still hasn't met my mom because we haven't been able to go to new zealand and she hasn't been able to come here so it's the last parent yet to meet and also the one that has had the most problems with our relationship so it's like really great um yeah just a great start for greg <laughs> So yeah, so we decided to move in together, and I think what kind of propelled that was Melbourne was fucking miserable. Um, we are unvaccinated, we didn't want to get vaccinated, and yeah, are you hearing that fuzz in the background? Are you trying to fix that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little bit fuzzy, and I think it's because number four is recording. See how that is on? And I was like, maybe it's this. Oh. Oh. I hope... Oh the people God. appreciate that just as much as what oh, I do. Like my ears just have an orgasm. Sorry if that noise quality was terrible. We jumped that on was... without much notice, and that was this really terrible. I had lots of noise. notice. You just weren't here, and I, I was on that setup. Okay, cool. So let me talk about why we decided to move in together. Melbourne was really bad. We were living essentially in an, in a never-ending lockdown. We had we couldn't go to any. Part, uh, any like places like we couldn't go to cafes we couldn't go to restaurants we couldn't go to shops we couldn't go to the gym um we couldn't fly anywhere like we obviously i think a lot of people still can't fly anywhere and uh, well no technically they've opened borders now what else couldn't we do um 
Yeah, just, you said gyms, restaurants, just all that be stuff. be around people. Like, really, anywhere people were, we weren't allowed to be. Um, yeah, <laughs> Kristen, how good does that feel to your air holes? Uh, so, yeah, it's it was just like Melbourne was kind of shit. And what happened was we planned on coming to Newcastle for Christmas if we could. Like, that was the goal. We were just going to come and hang out for Christmas. Greg's family are all here. So we were up for a weekend last year, just like a few days. Um, and so we wanted to do the same thing and actually catch up with Greg's family. Uh, then we were like, well, Newcastle looks like it's going to be open in terms of not having rules for vaccinated and unvaccinated that are quite separate or quite different. So we were like, let's hang out for a little while and let's spend a little time there enjoying it and uh, soaking up some sunshine and going and eating at cafes and training at a gym. And so we were thinking, hey, well, we could do a month or maybe three months. Like it was like a oh yeah, we'll do like one to, one to three months. Like we could do that. I didn't, I, I have my house. Like I didn't have to worry about the house too much. It was like, Hey, it'll just be three months. We could, we could stay at your mom's or we could find an Airbnb. And then by the time we looked at the cost of Airbnbs, um, and just the availability, like it's just, nothing was really available. And uh, it, unless you wanted to pay an arm and a leg for it. And then the cost of being at your mom's place was exceptionally high. So that wasn't really an option. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think both of us trying to work uh, as well as be mums would have not not been a viable option. Yeah, we did one night. That was. That I, was I think as well, just going back to the like, why we decided to move. For me, um, I moved to Melbourne at the start of 2020. You know, to go back to like that for me, like I arrived with three weeks before COVID started. So I think that was a big part for me is that I didn't exactly have the, the smoothest landing into Melbourne and socially I think, you know, something we've talked about a lot in the last few weeks is like just like a little bit of a rethinking of what's important um, was I think a big big thing for me was I think through all that realising some of the things that I didn't have Melbourne and I think some of the access to gyms and things like that was part of that um, but I think there was other other extensions of that as well. Yeah, I think everybody had a lot of reflection time on what their priorities were mm. and what they wanted in their life when they fucking lost everything to a degree and were shut in their house for a long time. Um, but yeah, your experience of Melbourne was... <laughs> I, mine, I, I had a year before you got there. Yeah. Um, and it was a great year. And then, yeah, and then it kind of went downhill. But I, I had a community and I had a connections and I had, like, I had people that I was hanging out with. Mm. So I think it was just different in that sense. Um so yeah, I don't think you'd particularly enjoyed Melbourne. I felt, I actually felt quite settled in Melbourne. Like in my brain, I was like, oh, I'll at least be here for like five, 10 mm. years or, or permanently. Like, and when I met you, I was like, cool. Like we're both in Melbourne. Like I don't, I, I, I didn't at that point really see a reason to leave. Mm, me um, but then, yeah, it was like, it was, it was shit. Like everybody else was talking about things like they were getting back to normal life and it's so great to be back and all these things and doing all this stuff. And it was like, we're, we're not. Mm. And it was our own choice and it was a decision that we were happy to, to deal with the consequences for, but um, it's also no way to live. And mm. as much as it is our decision, it's not because it, it, it wouldn't have happened if it weren't for the way that this whole thing is being dealt with. Well, and, and until there was another option, right? Mm. Like it was our choice, uh, but then when New South Wales, you could see they were making moves towards just opening up and kind of moving forward from some of this. It was like, okay, it gave us another option to go, well, the personal choice that we'd made in Victoria, that meant we couldn't do certain things. But we that New South Wales opening up gave us that op as an option to go, okay, well, there we can, these are the things we can do. There's no list of things we can't do here. Uh, so I think that made 
some of that decision pretty easy. Yeah. So three months was looking really expensive. And then it was like, I think we'd been umming and ahhing about it for a while. And I, I, I remember just being like, let's just do a year. Hmm. Let's just do 12 months. We'll just do a year and we'll just fucking commit. I can lease my house out. We can get a lease on a house here and just be settled and live life. Cause I think part of the thing with being in Victoria was also, we had been talking about leaving for six months mm. because it was just worse and worse and worse. And we knew that it was going to stay bad for a while. And we, we also know that next year is pretty, um, I just think next year is almost a guarantee to be a repeat of the year just been maybe, maybe to a less severe yeah. version of 2021. But if there's anywhere that's going to lock down, it will be Melbourne 100%. So, um, yeah, that just kind of was like, look, 2022 like what is that going to look like let's not fool ourselves and think that it's all going to be sorted and good and it's going to be great because if you look at europe and america right now that are going into winter then cases are spiking and fucking austria is locking down the unvaccinated and fucking taxing them and then locking down the whole state and and singapore like it's just like you know you watch countries and you watch israel and it's like you know what's going to happen you can see the patterns and it's exactly what's everyone's going to shit the bed again and be all surprised about fucking cases spiking when it gets cold like you just know that's going to happen so um i guess in a way anticipating that being here hopefully will set us up for a better ride. Um, so yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of the process. And then we talked about like, Hey, what would it be like living together? And what are the risks and what are the, what are the rewards? I guess in a sense, like, Hey, what could go wrong? Um, and I think the main thing for us is what we said at the beginning, we will be together all the time and we might get sick of each other. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I think we've talked a lot about, you know, when we're together on those nights during the week or on a weekend, like we're very much stuck to each other. You know, we're, we're right up in each other's space all the time and we, we don't, you know, we're not in separate rooms, we're not doing our own thing. It's like we're together and doing everything together. And I think this transition, one of the major things we've talked about is um, kind of trying to transition out of that to be like, okay, well, we need to find a rhythm with our own space and our own time where we still have the space that we had before, even if we are sharing a, a house together. Yeah, my favorite conversation was when we were like, hey, we've in the past when we weren't living together, organized date nights. Mm. Like, hey, Tuesday, Thursday night was typically the sleepover nights and then we'd pick a Saturday or a Friday or do both. So then it was like, okay, if we're together by default, then let's organize the solo nights. So even if it means that we're still in the same house, like Mm. you might be in the bedroom and I'll be in the kitchen, but it means, hey, Tuesday and Thursday nights, like you organize your own dinner, you organize your own thing, you can Mm. do whatever you want. Maybe we'll go on a date that night. Like that's kind of the, that's your time. Mm. And, and it's, it's, yeah, just the, the ability to create space and, and, chill out and, and not feel I think a big part of it is like not feel guilty for not being together all the time like because mm. I, I still feel like I want to do that with you like I still mm. feel very attached and I, and I totally could be like attached at the hip with you and just be super happy about that um, but I think like you've said it's like hey well for sustainability mm. <laughs> we need time apart like and we need to create we need to give oxygen to ourselves to continue to have the fire lit and and like maintain so yeah i think it's organizing instead of date nights solo nights Mm. is probably my favorite idea because it's a tangible thing that we can actually do and it's like yeah no one has to come in and request like hey i need some time alone Mm. it's like no we we organize this so we can both get it at the same time and appreciate that both of us need it and it's best for us in terms of um being together and functional some time apart is going to support that 
Yeah, I really love that from uh, Made in Captivity, uh, Esther Perel's book. I've talked to you about this, but for everyone else. Um, in one, she talks through one of the couples that were um, clients of hers. And that she actually, they were having, their marriage had kind of got a little bit stale. They were feeling a little bit just, um, I forget what exactly their scenario was, but I think it was a little bit stale. They were not really feeling that there was passion there. And she actually got them to move into separate apartments. Mm. So the female from the couple, she moved into a, a small studio apartment. And, and exactly what you're saying is that they started to then organize date nights. Organize like, hey, what are you doing on these nights? Like, let's do something. And they, they started to get together and go out for dinners and do stuff more. It, it means you have to put an effort, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and, and I think they did it for a period of time and then they ended up moving back in together and kept those patterns. Mm. But she made them move out to establish that to then come back in together. And I just really love that. And that's probably what like came to me why I said about those nights and like having that space because it's like, yeah, I would rather not get to the point where we're like, we have to move out into separate apartments <laughs> in order to that get space. Like I would rather try and, you know, set that up from the start and make sure we've, we've got, um, you know, us time. Yeah. Well, I guess when you're dating, you date by necessity to a degree and mm. you don't even think of it as a behavior that you're like, Oh, I really like doing this because it, it, it allows for this. It functions as a way for us to spend quality time together. It's like, Oh no, we have to, because we, we have schedules and lives that are separate from one another. And when you're mm. living together, you lose that. So you lose the necessity for organizing things. So yeah, I, I also really like, um, there's another version of that in Come As You Are by um, Emily Nagoski, which is another book that we always talk about, or I always talk about, where she tells them to not have sex for a month. And it's like, it just mm. builds desire. Like it just, anytime you're not allowed, to, not allowed or you can't be with someone, it's like the tension and the desire and the, and the want for each other. It's like, I think it's, hopefully not a point that we would ever have to get to, but it's like, it is certainly a way that could work for some people in, in relationships where you are very close. Mm. Um, okay. So a benefit of moving in together and, um, number one detriment. Uh, we, we've only been living together for a week. We've survived the first week. Um, most stressful time was moving day. Like just having to figure out like, where boxes are going to go and being like in and out of each other's very personal space and being really fucking tired. Mm. Like we'd been doing the last minute pack up and the last minute, like get our shit together and, uh, we're just not sleeping well. And it was just a bit like, ugh. um, and then got here. And <laughs> so we don't have blinds. We don't have air conditioning and we don't have internet. <laughs> So, and we also don't have shutters on the doors. So like flies and shit come, coming through the house at the moment. And it was the days that we arrived, it was like fucking the humidity was awful. Like we had a whole lot of rain on boxing day or yeah, boxing day. Um, so I think it was just like that pre-storm, like tropical humidity. So it was like hot. We couldn't make the room dark. We couldn't like, it was just, it was brutal. The fucking oolas weren't working. The like cooling mattress things we have. It was, yeah, it was, it was a bit rough and we had shit everywhere. I had, I had my brother coming to stay with us. Greg's family were already rocking up for surprise visits. <laughs> it was just like, oh my God. So there was definitely some like, just like, uh, moments there. Um, but nothing like, I don't think anything bad happened. I, I think we we're both just tired. So benefit for you? Being with you all the time. Detriment for you? Being with you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't think there's been a detriment. I, I think what we've said 
recently is both of us have been saying like oh, it's been really nice like this has been really good but it's it's like we're both on holiday mm. it's been chill out time we're it's super novel and exciting and it's an adventure at the moment and we've been at the beach every day like we ju- just got back from the beach like we stopped and got some dried fruit and i got some chocolate covered strawberries and like we've just been doing really nice things and it's been christmas and so like it's been a really nice time so it's hard to assess how living together is going when it's been like you know when it's it's this time of the year and at this point in our relationship with moving in ask me again in like i don't know four months when you're when like we're working i think when we're working together that's going to be when it's like how's it going (laughs) you're like oh my god i need to get out of here what about you best thing worst thing um best thing yeah it's been it's been super easy it's been great like all the sex i'm heaps of sex it's been amazing (laughs) um you know i'm super happy to be back in newcastle and the lifestyle that we've had for the last week has been beach every day gym every day they've been open um bunch of cafes doing all this stuff so all of that's not really a benefit of living together but it is a really exciting time you know i feel i'm not working as well so super stress-free um, getting to enjoy a bunch of stuff. So that's been really great. I think for me, I said to you yesterday, like the, I'll, I'll, I'll call it a detriment. Um, not that it's become one yet, but I think the biggest thing for me that I've noticed is, uh, less time. I barely listen to podcasts and I'm someone that I was saying to Kate last night, I'll listen to maybe three or four hours worth of podcasts a day. Um, I'll go for a walk in the morning, sometimes during the day and then at night when I'm by myself. So, and, and that for me is, you know, learning reflection, sort of quiet time. Um, and like even just going out for walks. So that's something I've noticed already in the last week is like, I'm doing that stuff less, but I also said yesterday that, um, we've had a lot of family and Christmas and all that stuff going on. So, um, I think there are a couple of things that I'm conscious of just trying to make sure that I, yeah, make sure I carve out that time for myself and go for walks and do some of that sort of stuff. But um, yeah, I think they're they're the major things so far. But yeah, the actual living together experience has been pretty easy. Like Kate said, uh, that first week, five hours sleep a night for me for the for a week straight was was pretty rough. But starting to starting to catch up on it a little bit now. So something private that I'm going to share with you because I love sharing private things is something that we discussed really early on is we asked each other about like just a lot of stuff like opinions on things and what we should keep private and what should remain a mystery and what shouldn't and our our thoughts on pubic hair like i remember having that conversation with you it was just like what do you think about this what do you think about that how do you feel about these things and one of the things that we discussed was what about peeing in front of each other what about using the bathroom in front of each other and we both were like that should be something maybe we keep that a mystery Maybe that is something that's like always private. So we've never been a couple that have been in the bathroom, one person on the toilet, one person doing something else or talking. Like it's always been that's like you shut the bathroom door and you go and use the bathroom. So like I think that feels more, um, it just magnifies that like we keep that really private here. And I think that's a really funny thing. Except for the two times today you've walked in on me in the bathroom. <laughs> for today <laughs> one weekend and I'm yeah. going to be walking on you guys yeah but I kind of like that like I like that we had that conversation around like hey what do you think about this because I know couples that are super open with that and like are happy to do that in front of each other and I've done that in the past 
Um, like, I'm not someone that, like, uh, like is super comfortable with just, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to pee in front of you. Like, I, I, even with friends, like, I've kind of always been, like, uh, like I'm just going to close the door. It's really simple. Mm. But, um, yeah, I kind of like that we had that discussion. We're like, no, like, this is something that we keep kind of a mystery, like, and I think that's okay. <laughs> Pretend like it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing that we discussed yesterday, and I know it was after Christmas, but it was another conversation that's, like, Sometimes you forget to have, or not forget, it It doesn't even occur to you to have the conversation. We talked about gifts. So we talked about, um, uh, we've got a quick question. Longest period of time you've both lived with other people. I've never lived with a partner. So this is my first living with a partner experience. But I've lived with housemates a lot. So I've always lived with housemates until I moved to Melbourne. So I've only lived alone for two years. Prior to that, I was living with housemates with either one girl or... Uh, I live with boys. I live with big houses of girls, so a mixture, but never a partner. So I have. You have. Yeah. So I've I've lived with uh, two partners before. Um, the first one was for maybe like I'll go with six months. Who was that? I'm not gonna name names. Not a, not on the live thing. Uh, yeah, so my first partner I moved out with, that that was a terrible idea. Um, we, oh, I remember now. <laughs> like, for a small amount of time, uh, she'd moved into my mum's house because she, there was some stuff going on at her house. Uh, we were fighting and there was a bunch of issues going on to try and then solve the fighting at mum's house. We thought we'd fix it by getting our own place. Uh, that didn't work out. Uh, so that lasted, I think it was between three or six months and then uh, we went our separate ways and I stayed in the house. Uh, then my second one was actually my partner before Kate. Uh, so we had moved to Brisbane together. Um, I got a, a new job with a new company and we decided to go up to Queensland. So we lived together for pretty close to 12 months Uh yeah, when we're in Brisbane, um, and obviously that didn't work out either, because I'm here with <laughs> you. Um, so yeah, I think and and I learned so many lessons, particularly from from that last relationship. Uh, both the experience of living together, um, the whole process of it, some of the stuff around just what you talk about and what you don't. Um, yeah, that that whole relationship was one of my biggest biggest learning points. So. Yeah, I took a lot from that and uh, something I've talked to Kate about, I think I actually had a lot of fears about the process of moving interstate again with Kate. Uh, back then, out of that last relationship, I went, I'm never going to move interstate with a partner when we haven't lived together before. Never, never again. <laughs> um, and so being faced with the, the situation we're in, talking about moving... Um, that was, I definitely had some fears around some of that, that I, I had to sort of work through myself and just try and distinguish kind of what went wrong a little bit. I had to go back over a lot of the stuff from the previous relationship on, wait, why did that, you know, how, how could I do, how can I do that differently and make sure that this time, I'd, um, some of the same mistakes don't happen again. So, uh, yeah, so that's my two, so 12 months on my last one, six months for the first one. One more question. What things do you guys already miss from Melbourne? Can I ever go? 
for, but I can't remember what it is. Uh, what do we miss from Melbourne? Uh, Nothing. <laughs> I, I was going to say the house, but this house is pretty much a replica, but better. Yeah, I, I honestly don't think there's anything on my list yet. Like, um, it came up at Christmas. Uh, we started. Someone, I think someone asked that, and uh, I'd said, you know, or, or it might have been what is the thing that I I think I will miss. Um, my sister and her partner were in Melbourne, so. Um, me and my sister had never lived in the same city since like early 20s kind of thing so it was it was really nice living close to them um, and and probably building a better relationship with them and and getting close to them Um, for the last I don't know five ten years or something like either my sister had lived in a different country or um, I only saw her when I traveled to Melbourne for work so yeah it was it was really nice living close to them um so i think that's something i will miss like that that will be different but um when i factor in all of the melbourne things and you know that we that we talked about um on a net balance i think yeah overall i'm super happy i think i miss the sex parties yeah yeah we just have to create them yeah we've got to find, got to find the scene in newcastle um, yeah. So the conversation that uh, we had yesterday, that was another one of those like, hey, what's your, what's your stance on this? Like, how do you think about this thing? Um, like, what's your opinion on pubic hair? What's your opinion on peeing in front of each other? We discussed how we do presents. Like, are gifts important? Um, and I think it's actually probably something that's kind of come up in terms of it's one of the five love languages. So... Five love languages are um, quality time, physical touch, words of affirmation, acts of service, and gifts. And um, I personally, as someone, am someone that I think I can speak gifts. I also enjoy gifts, but it's not like it. It would never replace physical contact, uh, physical touch, or quality time. Like you, you can't, you couldn't. Yeah, you couldn't give me a gift in place of that, and I'd, I'd feel the same. My, my cup would simply not be as well filled. Um, but yeah, so it was like, and, and the funny thing is, is that the conversation was prompted by um, life coach Brooke Castillo, who I love. Um, she's written the book Self-Coaching 101. And if you need to go and read a book to figure out how to f- fucking f- figure out your brain and the thought loops that you get in and the reasons that you're kind of stuck and how to work through that stuff, like her book is, it's incredible and her podcast is absolutely amazing. Um, and the conversation was prompted by one of her podcast episodes and I, I cannot for the life of me remember which one it was but um she essentially said like it might actually be in her book it's somewhere but she essentially was like look in my relationship I know that I spend a lot of time looking for gifts making sure that's something that someone would appreciate putting time and energy and effort into buying someone a birthday gift or buying someone a Christmas gift. And so I outright told my husband, Hey, I'm putting X amount of time and energy into this. And I expect you to do the same for me. It's the one thing that I'm going to ask of you to do for me because it's, it's important to me. And I think that's just communicating that this is my love language. Like this is what I do. And I, I would, I would feel really good if you could do the same thing for me. So she essentially said that she, they had the discussion on like gifts and that it was important to her and she needed him to reciprocate that. Um, and I think that that happens. Like I think you said yesterday, you, you put it really nicely. Guys will go and buy jewelry for a woman as a gift and it's super generic and it, it kind of holds no real meaning because it's just an ornament, right, that you wear. It's not like a, 
I mean, unless there's someone who's particularly looking for this one thing of that says designer or a piece that they love and they've been looking at for a long time and you go and get that one thing. Otherwise, people walk into a jewelry shop and go, I need to buy my girlfriend a gift. Hmm. What, what, I've got 500 bucks. Like, hmm. what should I get? So yes, you can spend a lot of money, but you can also not put in any thought. Hmm. And it feels like a special gift because it's expensive. And it's like, no, I think you can confuse expensive with... Um, expensive with... Oh, I was going to say like value, meaning, meaning mm. maybe. Um, there's some so, people that love that. Like yeah. there's some people that would, would rather someone splash a thousand dollars on mm. a beautiful piece of jewelry than like 10 cheap, thoughtful presents. Yeah. Um, you know, I think everyone's okay. different. That's right. Like yeah. that's okay. I think the important piece is that you have the conversation. Um, so the conversation is like, Hey, how do you do gifts? What are they important to you? Um, do you like to spend a lot of money on gifts? What kind of gifts do you like? Do you like experience? Excuse me. Do you like experiences? Do you like things? Do you like stuff that helps you with the work? Or do you like things that are new and are they're present presents? You know, things that are like just additional things in your life or whatever. They're not. You know, they're not. I think sometimes it is nice for presents to be stuff that's not necessarily immediately useful. You know, it's like. I could buy you a fucking stand-up desk that you mm. really like and you really want. Well, like the vacuum I bought you for Christmas. We bought that for each other because we split that. <laughs> it's like you want. I, the, I didn't buy her a vacuum, vacuum for Christmas. Cleaner. No. <laughs> but it's like it's also like it's nice to get gifts that are gifts. So anyway, we had the conversation of like, hey, how how do you normally do gifts? What have you done in the past? What have you liked in the past? And I think that's a really important conversation with fucking anything. It's like people avoid talking about ex-partners. But man, like, it's so valuable to find out what they've done with their ex-partner. Like, did your ex-partner buy you gifts that you liked and what were they? Did you, did you have an experience with your ex-partner that you really enjoyed? Or like, things around even like sex. It's like, what's the best sex you've had in your life? What's the best blowjob you've ever had? I remember asking you that to, because I'm like, I want to like, let me know. Tell me. So I think the gifts conversation is another one of those things where not only can you find out what they like and, and how, where it sits for them in terms of importance, but then you can have the conversation back and tell them what is important to you and if it's important and, and, and what gifts you like. Like I said yesterday, I was like, look, I, I, I like things like clothes and jewelry, but I'm really particular about that stuff. And no one has ever bought me that stuff that I, that I've been madly like, Oh my God, this is perfect. Unless it's something that I've chosen. So when it comes to like clothes, I'm like, man, just let's go and do that together. Like, let's mm. go to the shop. I'll try it on and find something I like, and you can buy it for me. I would prefer that process rather than opening up clothes. Like my parents used to always buy me clothes and I'd always be like, Oh Jesus Christ. Thanks. Uh, this is awesome. And I would just, I just wouldn't wear them and I'd feel really bad about it. So it's like, um, yeah. So I think the gifts conversation is, is valuable. Yeah. I, like I've walked in the honey bird three times and thought about buying you something and go, Nope, I'm not even going to try. That's the exact process that would be super fun to do together yeah. as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like um, with presents, I think the other thing we spoke about last night was like spending and amount and things yeah. like that because I think it can be something in... So, I'll, I won't name any specific couple, but a couple that I recently saw during Christmas um, <laughs> set, set spend limits on Christmas... And they both broke them. <laughs> so they both decided on an amount and then they both mutually broke broke the amount. But I, th I think it wasn't by some absorbent amount that they beat them, but they definitely went over what they said as a cap. But 
I think it's important to at least even align on like one of the things you said last night is like you're happy for Christmas to be like a lower spend thing. Mm. And if you're going to spend more, that would be birthdays and, and anniversaries. Um, because, yeah, like I think it's easy to kind of like uh, like I'll say like this year, like I didn't feel super prepared. Mm. Um, and then you'd said you'd gotten me a bunch of like Not a, a bunch fault. of. We weren't allowed to go into the yeah, shops. Yeah, we weren't allowed in the shops. We literally weren't I, allowed yeah. Um, and postage in Melbourne is so fucking bad at the moment. It's I've never seen it so bad. Because the other thing, so the height of the pandemic. what I'd said as well is that I actually think I am usually pretty good with um, like listening and if we're out doing stuff or going places and, you know, a partner, Kate, anyone says like, oh, yeah, I really like that place or I'd love to go there or, um, you know, I really love this brand or whatever it is. It's like, I'll make notes of that stuff and then come Christmas or birthdays, whatever, I've got a list. This year, we couldn't go places. We couldn't go to restaurants. Like, it, at the time, leading up to Christmas, um, you know, I thought we were going to be in Melbourne originally. So, we weren't allowed to go places. We hadn't been anywhere to get ideas. So, yeah, I felt super sort of stuck on what to get you. Um and then so like in the, I, I got things sorted out in the week before Christmas and even Christmas morning, I freaked out that Kate had bought me too many things because I saw about six presents all wrapped up. I'd gotten two presents wrapped up for her and freaked out on Christmas morning and went, oh my God, I haven't got enough stuff. So I bought her surf lessons um, for a place in Newcastle because I'm like, oh my God, I haven't, but then I think I like. I think you might have overdone it a little bit. <laughs> I think I did it a little bit <laughs> combined. Um, but yeah, like I think that's the thing of like we we had that conversation then after Christmas about some of those things. So yeah, probably something we should have spoken about beforehand um, just to even align on kind of what we're doing, what we're spending, where we're going. So Yeah, I think what we kind of both felt is that we like experiences for gifts, like, and that's what you kind of did. We joined, you joined me up to the triathlon club, bought me surf lessons, bought me a, like, we have a weekend in Sydney, going to a little festival. Um, so some really cool things that we're going to do together. Um, and then, yeah, the other thing was like Christmas, because you're buying presents for everyone, like, I think it does need to be smaller and less expensive and it doesn't have to be super deeply meaningful. I think it's mm. fun to, I, I said exactly this, it's fun to open them together. Yeah. Like it's fun to just open gifts and it's it's that experience together and I said it's a big tradition in my family to sit down and like open presents, which I love. Um, <laughs> I love the questions. <laughs> so good, we'll get to that in a second. So um, yeah, like it's just opening gifts, which is why I wrapped up about seven gifts for you because I was like, mm. I just love the opening things and like having it there. So um, that and that's a fun part of Christmas morning, I think, to share. And that's so, why I even wrapped like I wrapped up your yeah, yeah two things with something. So then you had things. Yeah, because that's the hard yeah, things with like experience type gifts. Yeah, it's like a voucher. It's a piece of like paper, that. and yeah. it's like you know what can you do with that? Yeah. But yeah, so. Um, and then, yeah, I think we we also tend to buy things for each other regularly as well. It's not like we just save it up for birthdays or anniversaries. Mm. I think we, we like to spontaneously get things or experiences or like, I think your birthday is always a big event. Like mm. I love doing big things for your birthday. It's a nice time of year to do it as well. I think mm. Christmas is often to a degree detained by where your family is in terms yeah. of where you can go and what you can do and actually what I said the other day I still want to do where we alternate between families as well as the Christmas away 
Hmm. I would love to have that where it's like we can have Christmas with your family, Christmas with my family, Christmas where we fucking sit on a beach with cocktails. All family responsibilities and just go and do whatever we want to do. Like I think yeah. that would be really nice. <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, that's that was that was a gift conversation which would have been really good if we did it before Christmas. But we got there. Just Sorry. gotta stick around until so next Christmas, Christmas now. Together. Second Christmas together, so Yeah. Um, yeah, change your masturbation routine. Yeah, big time. Um <laughs> We've been having a lot of sex. Has it changed much you, masturbation-wise? Well, I feel like I've been low on the masturbation regularity and because of mm. moving and stress and like mm. just life being busier than normal. So, yeah, like I was kind of in the low end, which is something that sometimes I worry about. I'm like, oh, God, what's going on with my sex drive? Um, but, yeah, just being busy is like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's not really changed for me much. Mm. I haven't got any of my toys out yet, though, except for the ones that we use regularly. But none of my solo play mm. toys aren't out, like so. I haven't, I haven't really needed to though in the past week. Um, I've needed a break more than anything. <laughs> um, yeah. What about you? Has it gotten in the way of your masturbation routine? Yeah, it's definitely different for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, same. Like I haven't really needed it either. I think it'll change when we're at when we're working. That yeah. Would be what happens. Yeah, probably. But yeah, it's definitely different. Like I've, I haven't gotten myself off Mm. in the last week. Mm. Um, You've gotten off, but yeah, (laughs) I think the people know that. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So that like, and definitely on days that I'm at home and I know I'm not going to see Kate, um, my rate is high. (laughs) Um, So yeah, definitely different on like, just because of the nature of that we have, we've been together every day. Yeah. Um, okay, so we listened to an interesting podcast this week and we actually have still not finished it because it's a podcast that we've listened together and discussed as we've gone. And it's a podcast by The Deep and it's called, I think it's called Open Relationship. Um, let me see where it is. Hold on. Yeah, it's called The Open Relationship uh, by the deep. Um, and it's from the 23rd of November. So episode five from season six is 55 minutes long. Um, yeah. Zoe Marshall is her name. Zoe Marshall. That's the chick who does the interviews. I don't know who she is. I've never, I think I've seen it like on podcasts, but I've never listened to it. But anyway, she interviews this couple who are open and they're married and they have kids from previous partners. I don't know how long they've been together. I can't remember if they say that, but they live together. Yeah. Um, and they started seeing each other casually and were discussing the other people they were sleeping with and talking about and essentially gossiping and, and discussing it in that form. And then committed to each other as partners or started dating each other more seriously, but continued to sleep with other people because it was like, that was, I guess, how their casual relationship functioned. Both of them coming out of previous monogamous, long-term serious relationships. They had kids with their partners. They didn't want, they didn't want anything to do with that. And so that was kind of how their relationship progressed. But it's a, it's a cool interview with very regular people that are just open, that have an open marriage. Um, yeah, they're not like experts in open relationships or anything. They're just a couple that she was connected to somehow through Facebook that posted about some stuff um, about their relationship and 
so yeah they are just a pretty regular couple so I think for me that was really interesting just hearing that as a bit of an insight into just other normal people figuring it out and kind of how it works for them like I think that's like you can hear experts talk about the research and you can hear like you know people that are out there as experts in open relationships yeah and it's like on on the what perfect looks like and I think yeah I really enjoyed and like I shared that with you because I was listening to going oh yeah like that's some of the things in it were things that we went through or um, challenges we came up against and and some of the things they'd actually solved in the same way as us Um, yeah so I I found it quite interesting for that just a bit of an insight into um, yeah someone else and how, how they're doing things yeah, I think um, we talked about a bunch of things from it, but um, it's worth a listen. Just, It's not a long podcast. I think it's worth a listen. Was there anything specific from there that you remember apart from the fact that it was just nice to listen to a, part, a couple? Um, I think just the way, you know, nothing, like I said, I don't think there was anything majorly groundbreaking in it for me, but... No. I think it was, you know, hearing them talk about handling jealousy, talking about um, some of the security stuff that they put in place is, is some of the same stuff that we've we've talked about. Um, I, I, you know, we talked a little bit about their the way they viewed poly. Um, you know, we're not polyamorous, but I think that the way they talk about that was maybe not... I, I don't know how much they know poly couples, but they seem like they had a very binary view against it. Mm-hmm. Be like, poly means you move in together and that means it's going to disrupt our kids' lives and all of this stuff. Um, so, yeah, I think oh, that was the other thing I think. It was just because one of the questions we get quite often is around, well, will you do it when you get married or will you do, it, do this when you've got kids? So I think it's always interesting hearing people that have got kids talk about how they manage being open with kids. Um, yeah, so they, they kind of talked about how they yeah how they handled some of that. Um, yeah, I felt like they were a little bit judgmental about polyamorous people and couples living together and having... Like, I think a, a big thing that people are like, oh, well, you can't do that with kids because you can't have people coming in and out of your kids' lives and, mm. like, that will just be so unsettling and, and what if you break up with them and, and all these things and it's like, well, man, like fucking welcome to the real world like people come in and out of your lives and and yes i don't i don't think it's okay to bring them into a fucking chaotic household with like casual sex buddies coming in and out like i think you know it's it's not like okay well fucking let loose and the kids will just deal with it and they'll they'll fare better in the real world if they do Mm. um but i also think it's it's absurd to protect children from anything bad happening to them and letting that determine all of your own relationships, intimate or romantic or friendships, mm. in the name of, well, they shouldn't see that or they shouldn't have to deal with that or they shouldn't this. I think it's actually better for us to work through that with them and be like, hey, this is what happened. Like, this is this is the deal and this is what's going on. And, and even more so because when children learn that people can come in and come out of our lives or leave our lives and we're still who we are at our you know at our core and we're still secure in ourselves and we're still happy as we are i think that's a better example because mm. i mean how many people come out into the world after leaving home and fear abandonment and don't know how to be alone and and their identity rests on their relationships mm. and they have someone leave them and they're destroyed 
um, until they get into their next relationship. It's like, if we uh, create this, I guess, false idea that relationships should be perfect and, and that's the only way they exist because that's what our parents showed us. It's like, you're, that's not preparing anyone for anything. Yeah, and I, like what I said to you yesterday, like I think it's obviously a super complex thing where there's other factors of safety and other things of security, and particularly in in um, in a relationship where where you're co-parenting with someone that you've now broken up with, divorced with, that you know there you're not. It's not you and your partner, just both of you making decisions together. It's like there are a, a bunch of other people involved in that. So. I, I get that the the complexities in some of that where it's you know you're trying to look I haven't had kids but I think it looks like it's this really fine dance of like just trying not to fuck them up <laughs> and and it's like can you fuck up your kids by being super open sexually liberated you know your friends walking in and out of the house naked you know because nudity is great and everyone should be comfortable with bodies. It's like, you know, I, I think you can damage your kids that way as well as on the other side. It's like if you're super tired about anything sexual, you don't talk about it, you can fuck them up that way. And it's trying to find the middle ground in the middle. It's like, how do you develop healthy boundaries? How do you develop all of those things? And it's like, from what I can see, a lot of parents almost swing to the opposite of what their parents did. And they're like... <laughs> Yeah. My parents did this to me. I'm not going to do that to my kids. So yeah. I'm going to do this other thing. Yeah. And then those kids it's will like, be in therapy in 30 years time going, oh, my mom and dad, they did this literally. and this and this. And it's like, oh, I hate them for it. And I'm never going to do that to my kids. It's like, I think those behaviors skip a generation. Like yeah. the the one that I can talk about that I've seen my family go through is my nan, my grandmother was very, like was used to go to church all the time. Um, so therefore my mum, we didn't have any kind of religious, you know, sort of institution in our family or no talk of it at all. So she went the absolute opposite of it. And it's like, I'm not religious, but it's like, I, I do see value in some of it. Um, so I, I don't know, that's one way like you sort of see it tipping and backwards and forwards or maybe around sex or some of those things. I think that, yeah, there is this fine line. And one of the things I said to you yesterday, like, I've seen friends go through this and I've heard on podcasts and things like that where if you're a parent and you're you know you divorce or break up from your your wife or partner and they you know in this situation of the the podcast we'll listen to they were in then an open relationship it would be really hard being I think a father on the outside of that seeing that from the outside and worrying about your kids going okay, my ex-wife or partner has decided to take up this like open poly life. Does that mean they're having like sex parties in the house and there's a bunch of random horny dudes around all the time? Like I would be worried for my kids. Like I would be worried about their safety. Um, so yeah, look, I think it's really difficult. Um, I think that couple, they did seem to have a very biased view of like, oh, being polyamorous, that'll fuck up your kids. They were a little bit binary on love and sex as well. Yeah. In my brain, I was a little bit like, ah, oh, look, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Like they're talking about love and sex, like it's completely separate and that's how it functions. Like that's the only way that it works. Um, so 
to me, the way that being open works is it's not that you separate them. It's not that it's compartmentalized. Like, that's my sex friend. You're my romantic mm. friend. This is my friend friend. It's that when you have relationships with people, it doesn't mean that I take less from my friend, give you more, and then give a tiny bit to my sex fuck buddy. Mm. It's like, no, I just... I just invest in them differently and I get, I, no one loses because of that. You know, it's like, to me, the thing that helped click when I was first looking into like open relationships and polyamory and, and whatever, the thing that suddenly spun me out was like, oh my God, is that love is not finite. And it was actually the Sam Harris book, Waking Up. It's in the first chapter. It's literally the first fucking two paragraphs, I think. Um, He's talking about an MDMA trip, funnily enough. But um, yeah, just this idea that you can only have enough love for one person is such a fucking made-up thing. Like, it's bullshit. It's like, you you can love as many people as you decide. And the analogy that we use is that we have multiple friends, mm. multiple best friends. And by having three best friends, it doesn't mean that you have one best best friend and the other two don't get as much love or have less friendship with you. It's that you just have one friend that you have a particular connection with and you have different types of connections with those other people. But you don't have less love to give around and spread out. It's mm. not like you have okay, I have 100 points of love and I have to distribute them between different people. It's like, no, love is not finite. It is completely, like, there's no limit, right? The the example that I really like, and it's kind of the same message, like a parent that has one child or a parent that has five children. Yes. You know, every kid they have, it doesn't mean that they have less love. Mm. They have less time. They have less energy. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. Like, if you've got 15 children you probably are giving each of them less time. Mm. So time and energy are finite. The love that you felt feel for all of them is not. Mm. Um, yeah, Except so. for my family because everybody loves my brother more. Um. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Nah. Um, so yeah, I think that was an interesting thing. And it's, it's actually cool because it just brings up those conversations, right? Mm. I think that's why we like some of those podcasts. It's like, Hey, like where, where do you sit on that? And what mm. do you disagree with? I think more and more now, when I listen to podcasts, whether it's about relationships or something else, I look at it from the perspective of what don't I agree with? What would I push back on? Mm. Where can I argue against this? Which can sometimes be a little bit like I can get a little bit argumentative with you for no reason, um, which you love. Um, but yeah, I, I think, <laughs> I think it's it's interesting to to be I guess essentially play devil's advocate only because I believe that I'm someone that's susceptible to agreeing with people that I like Mm. and if someone's talking about a relationship that's an open relationship and I'm like I'm all for this because that's what I that's my bias like that's my narrative then I'm like okay well how can I disagree with that with what they're saying and, and what would I maybe say differently Um, so yeah, the other thing that they said I actually enjoyed was the dating thing. That was just, it was, it's a really little moment where they discuss that they do a different dance. So Mm. when you're dating online, she never has sex on the first date and he does. Uh, and it's because the dating online process is different for men and women. So the, he will talk a lot with women and then you talk so much that you can typically meet on the first date and they'll just come over or he'll go to theirs or whatever they do. And it's just like, that's when you have sex with the woman. She would not really talk to them much meet in person initially. And then there would be a hookup date if they decided to have a hookup date. And that's exactly what we do. And it was always like, why do like, I was always kind of like, yeah, it's interesting. Like you hook up with girls first time and I don't. And like, Mm. I've had 
weird experiences with the first time thing as well. And I'm like, I don't know. And so what they ended up saying was like, he talks to girls a lot online the week or two or three or months before they meet up because he has to, because women love to talk online and go through that process. Whereas for her, any dude would come over and have sex any day, any time. So it's not a matter of like playing the dance to get to that point. It's actually playing the dance of hold holding off the people and like keeping the fucking like being the gatekeeper because she has to that's the dance you have to play so she'll go and meet someone first before and, and not do the talking thing mm. whereas he has to do the talking thing if he wants to meet someone well and, and she could meet any guy yeah he well you need to, to stand talk. out yeah so you know if you're a girl that's on dating apps you've got plenty of options you know, there's, you've got heaps of matches, heaps of dick out there. It's a, a cheap <laughs> commodity. Um, but that's like, you know, and, and so if a girl's talking to a bunch of guys and, you know, you need to be the most interesting one or you need to, you know, to be there. Like I've said to you, like if I drop off or if I've got a busy week or something happens and I miss a week talking to someone and then you like message them like, hey, sorry, I've been busy. Um, too late like you've missed the window where like you know they've already got someone else that's being interesting that they're engaged in conversation with so you do you you have to be you know on messages talking flirting to to get their interest um you know and that yeah it, it is a i think what we've talked about there is obviously a difference in that with us we've noticed and then hearing them talk about that i think that was a really like oh yeah okay like they have they've had the same experience mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea of like doing the dance and uh, yeah. Um, okay, so along the same lines of talking online. Oh, let me go through some of these questions. Okay, how is so much nudity allowed on Insta, but your post got a ban? Fucking Isaac, I don't know. I have been sent people's profiles that have like way more nudity than I've ever posted. And I don't know why. I think I thought my theory was that parts of MDM were like in it with his hands and I was like maybe when you see two people it looks maybe like more like an explicit sex act and so the algorithm picks up on it um but the other photos that I've seen have got plenty with two people so it's just too much sexy for Instagram <laughs> I don't know I did have one that had like the word sex on it so mm. maybe that was it probably. yeah I probably that's probably why people put like sex with like you know E-G-G-S and stuff like that. Hmm. S-E-G-G-S. Like, you know, they spell it differently. So I think maybe that's to do with it. I don't know. Um, okay. These best friends, are they invited to dinners? Or does Kate's buddy's story s- stay separate to you, Greg? Uh, so in terms of like, would they be separate? At the moment, they're just so casual that absolutely they would. But I've... You've met, you've met one of the guys that I've hooked up with. And I've yeah. met two or three of the girls you've hooked up with two yeah so and it's I've, like I've, we're not opposed to meeting people but we just have never formally been like hey yeah I want you there's to never been anyone that's like introduced yeah and like uh, we've been i've been on dates with you when you're meeting guys but yeah. that was yeah so yeah there's nothing that's like i wouldn't let you meet that person yeah. or anything weird like that yeah but it, there's been nobody that's like at that point where like hey like i i'm seeing this person multiple times like i'd like you to meet them kind of thing because yeah. um 
to even say like that they're the best friends like yeah we we haven't we haven't had extra emotional connections at this point they have been people that we've um mainly had yeah a more casual kind of friend yeah there's been no like crossover i guess yeah so it's like yeah if there's been crossover we've met because they've been at the gym or whatever so like we have um isaac great compliment thanks isaac appreciate it highlight that compliment that's (laughs) fucking good oh isaac you went in there i would be intimidated by you greg you fine fisherman you're picking up man you are picking up i've been picking up chicks on instagram lately well not picking up but they've been hitting on me and uh i guess picking up guys in the youtube comments like you're gonna shine um Yeah, that's it. That's it. You're on a roll now. Um, okay, we did have one other question up here. Um, next tattoo. Stop it, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting a tattoo anytime soon. My last one was way too painful. Um, okay, so talking online. This is the last thing that I think we should talk about. Here's my list of notes. Um, there was a post that I read that was that was that just said one line. What's something men should stop? And it was just, that was the post. And in the comments, everyone was writing shit. In relation to dating? Anything. What's something men should stop? Like anything. Okay. And it was just a funny post. So I was going to bring that up. Um, We also were reading the Pornhub year in review. Mm. So they did like a 2021 wrap up. So you can go and read that online. We were reading that yesterday. That's interesting. Um, We did a question of the day yesterday, which was from Esther Peral's uh, where should we begin game? And it's another like question deck game, which you guys have seen us online on Instagram using. We have a ton of them. Um, I got the Esther Perel one for Greg for Christmas. And so we've just started pulling out some of those questions. And the question was for you, what's the difference between sex and making love? And that was a really interesting conversation. Um, mostly because I don't think I've ever felt comfortable with the term making love and I don't think I've ever made love until now um so those were the things that I had on my notes but the main one that I actually wanted to talk about was what we got to last night because we were talking about I don't know how we got here we were just oh it was the making love and sex question we ended up going on this great big tangent and getting to a point where we were talking about like, Hey, like the sex that you have with people that you casually hook up with versus the sex that we have, like what's different, what's missing, what's not missing. What do you get out of that? What do you get out of this? And, um, something that I've experienced is that the casual sex I have is always like not that great. Like it's always pretty average sex. Um, and so I tend to find like, I like to be more connected with people. I like to get to know them better. And I just find that that connection helps the sex. Um, and I tend to find that people, in casual like one night stands or just like hook up things aren't as invested in the other person's pleasure like it especially if you go in saying like so typically in the past i'll say like i tend to be more submissive i tend to like a guy who's more controlling or more dominant and what that's often interpreted is as is i'll just be rough and hard and that'll be great for her she'll really like that and it's it's the opposite of what i mean it's like yeah like be be i guess rough and like dominant but I guess that's more stylistic. What I want is I want to be able to relinquish control and have you take care of my pleasure and, and be able to trust you with that. And, and that gets lost in translation. So what we came up with and what Greg said was like, I think you need to have like a list of demands. (laughs) So then we got into the topic of like, okay, if you're going to be 
finding a buddy to like hang out with and like it's just like a fuck buddy I guess or someone that you're talking to and you're gonna hook up with them online what could you give them to set them up for success if you were gonna meet them and hook up with them what would be your top five lists of demands and so uh or top 10 like for me I feel like I have a whole lot of things of just like fucking don't do this don't do that don't do these things definitely don't do that (laughs) But I think it was helpful for me because um, I think you can get probably or I can get more specific about what I like and what I want and what works for me and what doesn't work for me in terms Mm. of like my pleasure coming and being like, hey, this is what I need and this is what I would like. And then here's that list and here you go and you can study that and you can come and see if you can provide that for me Mm. Um, without having to feel like I have to be walking in prepared to fucking communicate all of my needs in the moment like on demand and just be able to command the other person to do exactly what I need them to do because I can't do that in the moment a lot of the time Mm. with a fresh person that you've never hooked up with and you're experiencing all of their their things for the first time and it's like for some people it's it's you I'm just like I could not coach this person and I'm a fucking good coach (laughs) and I'm like I have there I have no hope for you like buddy you just do what you need to do and get out of here like that's kind of where I get to a lot of the time so even though I feel like I'm better at having that conversation of like this is what I need this is what I want this is the kind of sex I like I think the problem is is that I say probably too vaguely what I want Um, I'm like, well, you know, I I like this kind of thing and I like that kind of thing and I'm kind of into this. And it's like, yeah, you get a bit of a gist of what I like, but it doesn't mean it's nothing that's personal. Mm. It's, it's general, right? And when you say general advice of what you're into, you're going to get general, generally what they think it is. Mm. So I think it needs to be a list of demands. I like that. I'm, and I'm totally going to tell the next person that I'm planning to hook up with. I'm like, Hey, I have a list of demands for you. And I think it has to be personal. Like it has to be specific, personal. And I'm going to steal this from CrossFit because when we give cues, they also must be actionable. Um, so it's like, Hey, like I like this. I don't like this. This typically gets me off. This typically does not work for me. And I think what you said is it means that the other guy can one have the opportunity to do what you like and two not be doing something that you don't like and not realize and get confused or unsure or up Mm. in your head or be like fuck what do I do like what's like this isn't working and it's like then you suddenly both of you just shut down it's not great well like what I said to you is like you know I think there's the the you know the power dynamic in particularly hooking up with someone new you know and, and a girl says to you, oh, I like to be submissive. That's like, okay, well, and in particular, if you're with a guy who hasn't really been dominant much, doesn't really know what that means, or... I think that's it's okay, like, doesn't know well, what that means. What is that? Like, and, and like you said, like, okay, well, oh, I've watched porn, I've watched guys be dominant in porn, so I'm just going to go and do that. No wonder it's not a great experience, you know? So I think then that doesn't mean that then you can't be submissive. It doesn't mean then you can't, and this is you know, what I said to you last night, like it doesn't mean that you need to then go in and go, well, I need to lay down, that, you know, <laughs> lay down, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck you the way I want to fuck you because, I, you know, by being submissive, then, you know, that is the power dynamic. But I think you can still, and this is what led to the list of demands thing, 
I think you can still say to someone, hey, this is what I want. This is what, you know, these are the things that I enjoy. Um, you know, and, and what I said to Kate last night was women in those exchanges, you guys hold the keys. You know, essentially it's like, you know, the guy is lucky. The guy is, you know, it's a pleasure to be sharing company with a, with a lovely lady. I think you said last night that it's a privilege. Yeah, it is. And it's like, you know, so you, you should be in that and everyone should, everyone's pleasure should is important, but I think particularly if you're a woman going into casual interactions, you know, and, and, you know, the guys are going to be stoked, you know, that they've got a girl, no strings, some fu- like a fun hookup, but going in with some, Hey, this is what I want from you. If we're going to do this, if we're going to do this dance, this is the things I want. What I said to Kate last night was like, I think you'll get two kinds of reactions from guys. You're going to get guys that go, oh, that's too much hard work. I'm out of here. Um, because they a, just wanted a quick hookup where they didn't actually need to care about what you want. And that's great. You want to filter those people out. The second people are going to be the people that you give that list to and go, hey, these are the things that I, I enjoy. And if if item number three on that list talks about some stuff that I don't know what that is, I'm going to go YouTube it. I'm going to figure out okay, well, how can I do that? How can I make sure that I can deliver on those things that that person needs? So I think don't be afraid to do that. Even if you are submissive, don't feel like that is you taking over some kind of power dynamic, but just put forward your needs. Everyone should talk about that. We're all grown ups. We all want to enjoy that experience. And, and like Kate said, like I've had some people be really upfront with me and say, look, I've never gotten off from oral or I don't come from this. And it saves both people from trying, you know, as a guy, you're sitting there going down on someone for an hour going, why won't they come? Like, why isn't this working? What's more annoying as well is that when that happens, if it doesn't work for someone, you either get stuck thinking that or the girl will fake an orgasm. Yeah, see, I don't know if I've had someone fake it, but I've definitely been going down on someone for a long time and eventually they've gone, oh, hey, I don't, okay, I'm not going to come from that. So, okay, cool. Like, but then afterwards they've said to me, oh, like, I wish I told you before, like, you know, and it's like, so it- That's it, good that people have done that. Yeah, So yeah. like, just a little quick interjection. Uh, there was a guy that I was hooking up with and he was like trying to get me off with oral and I was like- Dude, like, and I told him as well. I told him that it does not work for me. And it was like a challenge to him and his fucking ego. He was a nice guy, but like, and afterwards he was like, I've never not made a woman come for moral. And I was like, I hate to tell you this, mate, but somebody's faked an orgasm a time or two with you. See, I've definitely had people say, I don't think I can come from that. And then I've taken it as a challenge and I've succeeded. <laughs> Have you? How do you know? What if they faked it? You don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. But also you are the best at all sex. Thank you. 
you're better than that guy which is how i'm like i know that there's better oral sex than this mm. and i don't like that still doesn't work for me so it's like i'm sorry buddy but like no you're fucking someone's lying to you or you just need to let that go mm. yeah and uh, so yeah i think that's have a list of demands you you can say hey these are the things i want from you and like i said if that filters some people out great don't you know, it, it, you should want to get rid of those people that look at your list of things and go, I just wanted to come over and treat you like shit and go. Um, some people, that might be exactly what you want. But, um, you know, if, if you're complaining about, like if you're not having successful, pleasurable, casual experiences, um, then, yeah, I think it's I think it's worth trying. I think that conversation piece is so key. And I think it's been really useful for me because the more that I'm just meeting people for something casual like that, where it's like I'm not looking for a relationship, it's actually been enjoyable to start exploring that part. Because in the past, when I've been hooking up with people, it's always been like a more of an emotional connection for me. Because I'm like, oh, well, fuck. Like, if it turns into something, that'd be nice. Like, that'd mm. be a bonus. Um but yeah, now it's like I'm really not looking for that. So it's been a totally different experience online and the conversations that I have changed now because of that. So it's been, it's totally been like this whole learning thing of like, how do I get someone onto the topic of sex and like how open are they to talk about it? And do they even know how to talk about it? Like I often say like, what are you into sexually or what's your sexual personality or do you have any kinks or anything that turns you on? And people do not know how, how to answer that question. Like it's, it's a really hard question for people to ask that don't, talk about sex like we do so I actually get really stuck with people and I have to prompt them or I have to tell them what I'm into which can help them understand what I'm looking for in terms of an answer mm. um, so I tend to find that my answer will dictate their answer and in the same way if they give me something that's vague and broad and they don't really understand the depths of what I would want to go into I will give them something on that same level which fucks me over excuse me further figuratively not literally um, so it's like yeah, that, that conversation is actually quite crucial and, and when you can have it early on, it helps you understand what that person's into and what they, and not even what they're into, but where they're at sexually, I guess, to a degree and, and how well they can talk about it. And I think that that can probably give you some insight into how you're going to be able to fucking communicate with them in the moment. Hmm. If you can't communicate to them like by writing a few words on a, on like a screen, when we do that every day fucking for hours and hours, like that's probably going to tell you they're not going to be very good at it in the bedroom. And if you're going to need to make changes or make requests... That might be hard. Mm. Um, so one, yeah, I think that, that conversation is, is pretty key. One of the things that a friend of mine who was pretty into the whole kink community um, had said at one point is that any guy who says, I'm a natural dom, either in their profile or in their first few sentences, she's like, run, get yeah. away from them. I've, and I've experienced that. And like, those guys are... Like, and, and I think that whole dominant thing is a bit of a trap because, you know... I think that a lot of guys do watch porn, do see just rough sex like that and that's their interpretation of that. Mm. I think from my experience, most women that like that, you know, a dominant guy, like you're saying is there's a balance between being dominant and caring about someone's pleasure. Mm. And, and there's, for me, that, is you can be dominant, you can be rough, you can do all those things, but you can still care about making sure someone's comfortable, making sure someone is safe, making sure that they feel, you know, 
yeah, um, like there's trust, like all of those things, like you need to create those, um, you know, porn sex, porn dominating rough sex. It, it's not that. Um, but I think that that's the thing that I think a lot of people miss out on is it's not just treating the person you're with, like no, having no regard for their safety, their pleasure, their, you know, all of those things. It's like you have to have that there. So, and, and I absolutely think you can have that on a one night stand. Um, you know, I think that that can exist, um, but I think you just need to, yeah, start to talk to people and say, look, this is what I expect from you. You know, I expect you to, I, I need, to, in order for me to have enjoyable sex, I need to feel safe. I need to feel like you know, you know, you care about my pleasure. You know, these are the things that, um, you know, pl- like are pleasurable to me. So if we're going to do this, these are the things I want. Yeah, and I think um, when Dom sexuality or personality or experiences comes without the care factor that's not domination at all that's just fucking like dominating someone it's dominating it's it's it's, yeah it's um because i think the thing is is that when you're when you're wanting to be dominated and relinquish power and control it's because you're trying to trust someone with with you and your experience Mm. and your body and and everything and your pleasure and if they don't care for you and they don't know how to take care of you in that way Mm. they're not they're not a evolved dominator they're not an Mm. evolved dom like they're a they're a rookie dom is maybe what i would say right or not even at that level it's like because the experience of having someone push you around or be rough or be aggressive or like take over and be that really masculine force in the bedroom when contrasted with are you okay or is this all right Mm. it's like that is the most powerful moment of being dominated that you can experience Mm. when someone's like has so much physical power over you and then says something like is this okay? Tell me if this is all right. Hmm. Is this, do you want this or do you want that? It's like, that's when you know they're in control. Hmm. If they don't do that, they're not in control. Hmm. They're just fucking around. Like, I think that's, that's such a big indicator of like, like with you, that was a totally different experience. It was like, Oh fuck. Wow. Oh my God. Like you, you're so switched on. Like Hmm. you're in control and you've actually thought about this. I I think the word like, like I think I've even said on this before, like, I'll use it as an example, like when people talk about choking during sex, Mm. I think the word almost is a disservice and the word causes problems in a way where people go choking. Oh, okay. Yeah. That means that like when you're talking about like a rookie person, they hear choking, someone says, Hey, I'm into choking. They've seen choking in porn. They go, okay, I know what that means. They just grab your throat and think, Oh, just choke the fuck out of you. And that's going to be great. Like, like yeah. and, And I think the word saying I'm dominant or a girl saying, Hey, I'm submissive and I like someone who's dominant. You know, if you, if you looked up what the, the word dominant means, you know, to dominate someone is to, would, is to control is to, you know, I don't know the exact, but it's, it's, that's the connotation is like, Oh, you're just dominating someone. Mm. It doesn't, I don't think give the full depth of there is that degree of care. And it's this, 
once again, kind of talking about the dance between two things. It's, it's, it's the two things combined. It's like you need to be caring as well as dominating mm. from a power and control balance point of view. But it's the word that's used. to it, it, Like there's the word dominate and then there is the sexual personality of someone who is dominant or a dom. But I think they get mixed up. So I, I, I just think it's another one of those things where without clarity and by just saying... Oh, I just like a guy who's dominant. If if you are talking to someone who doesn't actually know what that means, you're going to end up in a shitty sexual experience. So I think that's where it's on the safer side to to be more descriptive and say, "Hey, I like someone who does this, this, and this. Someone who is, you know, shows that they're powerful, shows this, but they are soft, they are caring, there are tender moments, they check in." All of those things and, and just being a little bit more descriptive. And if you're talking to someone who knows what they're doing, they're going to go, oh, that's great. You know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. If you come across the person who doesn't know what it is, either it's going to help them and they're going to go, oh, okay, I need to be more like that. Or like I said, there's going to be those people that go, that's way too complex. I just want to fuck you and leave mm-hmm. and they'll bail out. So yeah, I think just um, it helps everyone you know hopefully you can evolve some people into being the more the proper sexual personality of a dominant Mm. personality in bed that is caring at the same time and i think if a list of demands is not your style and it doesn't feel like authentic for you to be like oh hey like let's talk about sex and this is my list make it sexy make it sexy but i also think you can talk about bad experiences it's like oh Mm. so like if someone asks you like how tinder is going it's like oh like i had this date and like this is what happened and like it was fun, but then, like, he did this and I really didn't like it. And I think you can just use, like, this other guy did that thing. Mm. And it's inadvertently advice for the person that you're talking to mm. to not do that thing if you don't want to fuck up sex with you. And, and to the make it sexy thing, like, I know that it's, I say list of demands or, like, here's the five things you need to do. I would joke do. about that. I'd use it as a, as a joke. Like, yeah, but I, but I think you can also, like, make it dirty talk. Make it fun. Make it flirty. It doesn't need to be, like... Hey, here's a contract I need you to check. Here's the 10 <laughs> things I want. Please sign at the bottom that, that you acknowledged it. <laughs> Maybe, but yeah, I, th- I think you can make it sexy and be like, you know, because I think if it is a particularly in a hookup situation, people say, what do you like? You know, it's a perfect opportunity to say, here's the things that I like. Mm. And, and, and when I say list of demands, like just be, be upfront and be, I'll say demanding to say, these are the things I want from you. And yeah, like I said, I, I think if anyone takes that negatively, they're not someone you want to probably get in bed with anyway. So. And I think having to say those things is part of what dirty talk is, like just mm. saying the obvious out loud. Sometimes I hope people like, love the bird noises that are yeah, going on. Yeah, I'm a bit nuts, hey. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think dirty talk, like people, people overthink dirty talk or people overthink fantasies, but it's often very simple, like straightforward, like do this. Um, so question and I'm going to read this and then the last thing I want to do is go to that post and read a few of the things that they've said and then we're going to finish unless you have other things you want to add um what is your love language uh it's been a little while since I've done them but um my top two are um physical touch and acts of service um were my top ones I don't remember exactly which one but um I used to say that words of affirmation, I think words of affirmation used to always score as my lowest. Um, but I think I found with you, I think if I redid it now, that would change. Mm. I think I had a, 
maybe in some of my relationships in the past, I had a, I've never felt, and I'll use the Crystal Ear reference from before. I think I was in a lot of like, I guess, situations. Yeah, um, I guess. And I think in a lot of ways, I'd, I'd said, yeah, I guess, but then I was trying to figure it out on the fly, whether it was a really a yes. Um, so I think a lot of times word for, words of affirmation for me, particularly if I felt unsure, I would almost like they would repel me a little bit. I would go, oh God, wait, am I, you know, is this actually what I want? So that one used to be my lowest, um, yeah, acts of service, physical uh, or acts of service and, and physical touch at the top. Uh, yeah, they're, they're mine. Um, mine are quality time and physical touch. Mm. But I think, I, I think it's a little bit of everything. Mm. Like I kind of like anything you do. I think my third was um, quality time and gifts I think was my fourth. I think that's the thing with love languages. It's not like if you speak one, you don't speak the others. It's no, definitely. You can, and I think what you often identify from it is not necessarily what you are, but if you and your partner are different ones, so mm. that you can speak a little bit more of what they mean, that perhaps a more dominant one is. Yeah, and and even like the gift giving one changes. Like they are these really tight kind of little boxes, but gift giving for me, you know, if if it's thoughtful, mm. it ranks higher. You know, it's like it, like we talked about with the Christmas gift thing. If if someone has put thought into it, or if someone's just kind of spent some money, it's not as high as some of those other ones. Like you know, I would rather some of them instead. So, which makes sense for the words of affirmation as well. Like if you haven't liked them in the past, it's different because of the way that I say stuff. No, I think it's more about the relationship I was in and the, um, yeah, like just. That, it, that no, with you... Tell I, me that I'm really good at words of affirmation. That's what I'm looking for here. No. <laughs> no, it's actually, it, like I said a minute ago, like it's it's it, that it's I I want it from you. Yeah. So yeah. therefore I hear you say things and I'm like, oh, that's really nice. Whereas in the past, in the past if I was like, unsure oh, about the relationship, I would kind of push away yeah. and, and repel from it. Yes. So. Um, okay, but you're it. amazing at it. Thanks. That makes me feel really good. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to share this um, share screen. Just while you're doing that, Kristen asked a question about interviewing people on the podcast. Yeah, I actually think that I'm going to um, try and get Emily Abbott on because um, I want to talk with her about abortions, actually. Um, So... Yeah, I think maybe I'll try and get her on early next year. Yeah, we'd definitely like to get some people on at different points. I think we've got to refine the art of... Yeah, so I've got an idea of doing Girl Talk and having girls on the podcast where we talk about sex and relationships and periods and CrossFit. And then I also like the idea, we've had someone ask or offer to be on the podcast who's been in an open marriage for 15 years, Mm. old dude into CrossFit and just was like, hey, I'd be happy to talk about my experiences as long as my identity isn't shit. Do I get boy talk ones if you get girls? Well, maybe you have boy talk with him. It would actually be fucking cool to hear two dudes talking about relationships and sex. Mm. Like I would be into that. Okay. So talking about Dom and sub, I think this is important because it, it gets across the idea of what submissive means beyond just physically giving up, like giving your body, I guess, giving, giving someone else access to your body. 
is I think what it's often interpreted as, which is where in porn, dudes just fuck girls and they just have good little sluts and take it, right? Like that's... Okay, things my submissive sexuality gives me. If I know, it's also kind of hot. <laughs> so, if you're not watching on YouTube, I'm going to read this as we go through. This is from Clementine Morgan, who's on Instagram, and she writes great little pieces about sex and BDSM and open relationships and just relationships in general. So, um, she's really cool to follow. I like some of the stuff that she does. So things my se- submissive sexuality gives me, and I sent this to Greg cause I was like, this is awesome. And it's, it's from months ago. Release, surrender, feeling loved, special, cared for. So that's not the, the, the kind of thing that pops up. I think for a lot of people mm. with regards to Dom and sub, a safe, intentional space to express my desire to be good. And I think that's important. Like, for people like for me like I, I'm a total people pleaser and I really like being able to do that it feels um, it, it just feels really good a safe intentional space to practice devotion a safe intentional space to process intense feelings the experience of really being in my body lots of practice taking responsibility for and communicating about my desires needs boundaries and limits and I guess that's what we were just talking about mm a list of demands is practicing taking ownership of that and and being able to give that to someone because Mm. without being able to communicate to that then they can't they they can't dom right like well and that's i think then to the the one before that to the back one um about being in your body it's like because if you're spending the whole time going Oh God, I really wish I could tell him that this is better. And and guys go through this as well. So I'll just say, like if you're spending the whole time going, Oh, I wish I told them about this, or I wish I told them that I don't like that, or mm. you know, of course it's gonna be a terrible experience. So if you can the more you can get out of the way up front before you're in that situation, um you can you can be more in the moment, you know, and, and yeah, make sure it's better for all. Yeah, and here's the thing. We're all thinking the same stuff because on this post, that is, ladies, what is something you wish men would stop doing doing during sex? And this is on the account underscore taxo underscore, so underscore T-A-X-O underscore. It's like a meme account. And the comments go wild. So number one, staying quiet as fuck. Dudes that don't make any noise during sex is the worst. Making noise is such a great way to communicate. And yes, it can go beyond that and be very performy. But I think it's it's still, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't make any noise because it's too performy. It means that you need to find something that's authentic and natural and part of the experience and helps you communicate. Um, I remember the first time I got a blowjob, I didn't make a sound. <laughs> I was like, and she, and she, she asked me if I was okay after it. She's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, why? She's like, you didn't make any noise at all. I'm like, oh God, I was, it felt amazing. I was just concentrating on that. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, I tend to find that for noise, it helps me get into my body. Like it helps me like yeah. connect and it's a release. Like it's, it's like making noise and making weird sounds and stuff. Like you actually have to be quite vulnerable to do that, I think to a degree. So it's like doing that and being comfortable with someone to do that helps me just let go of some of my inhibitions or some of my like, control things they're amazing to give people signals for what you like yeah and it's like you know if you use it for that and you know as long as you're with a partner that's listening to that Mm. 
it can be great signals for like, yeah, that's great. More of that without having to say it if you're not comfortable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then when they do something wrong, just crickets. <laughs> yeah. Or tell them, hey, I liked it when you're doing the other thing. Do more of that thing yeah. that you were doing before. You know, when I made, <laughs> made more noise, well, do that. <laughs> and don't be someone that makes noise when it's not good. Um, someone who doesn't know how to build tension before. Ooh, someone who just goes straight in. I, I, I actually think that, if we back to what we're saying about the texting messaging leading up to it. Yeah. I think it's all the part of it. talk before it. Yeah, mm-hmm. fuck yeah. Um, probably the showing up part. Oh, burn. Breathing. Arriving early. Oh, someone said asking whose pussy is this. I think... I think that can be hot, but I guess it's like if you haven't done your list of demands and you haven't had that conversation and someone's not into dirty talk and you go, whose pussy is this? And that's just like... Mine? Yeah. <laughs> oh Loser. God, that's bad. Um, yeah. And then somebody said, here you go. This information is pure gold. I have just compiled the most valuable cheat sheet that is has ever <laughs> been made. I have the power. That's true. Fucking go... Go into the comments and make your list of demands with the comments. I think that's kind of what I liked about this post. Um, it's like, it gives you ideas around like, hey, what are the things that I like and don't like? Because I think sometimes it's hard to verbalize some of that stuff. I'm not a lady, but putting their tongues in my ear. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really into that. Cool. All right. So go to that post underscore taxo underscore you guys will find it it's got a lot of comments all right that's us cool have you got anything else to add nope thanks heaps everyone have a good new year (laughs) yeah see you in fucking 2022